Well, last week we did go through, walk through our Bible, and that was actually kind of a kickoff of our current series, which we are calling The Five. Earlier you saw The Fab Five. We're calling our series just The Five. And the walk through the Bible took us through kind of an overview of the New Testament. And uh, last year, if you recall, we went through walk through the Bible Old Testament. So part of our discipleship journey, the way for us to love God is to know Him. And to know Him is to know His Word. And so it's important as part of our discipleship journey to continue to delve deeper into the Bible as part of our life and our life discipline. So this year, we're focusing on the New Testament, and for our five-week series, beginning this week, we've chosen five books of the New Testament to cover. So I know it's just kind of an overview, but that's what we've chosen, five books. And those five books will be Matthew, which we'll be looking at today, then we're going to follow with Acts, then with Second uh, Corinthians, then uh, Galatians, and then finally First John. So those are the five books we've chosen. And in each week, we're just going to pick a particular passage that, that illustrates the theme of, of that book. But as a challenge, our staff and our church would like all of us to kind of take an opportunity to go a little bit deeper. So whether you're in your home groups or individually, we challenge you to go ahead and pick one of those five books during the next five to ten weeks to study it on your own, to go a little bit deeper. And then we've also provided some resources to suggest to you that will help you in that study. So each week we'll bring some of those resources for you, and it may be helpful whether for your home group to do it or for you to do it individually. And so going through some of the study guides, I think one of the ones that I liked was one that's done by Max Lucado, and it's on the book of Matthew. So if your group or you want to do this individually would like to go a little bit deeper, you know, uh, find this book and it'll be very helpful for you. So this morning I've chosen a passage from Matthew uh, 21, it's verses 1 through 11. So if you have your Bibles, you can follow along as I read this passage to us all. Starting in verse 1 in chapter 21 of Matthew. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and once you will find a donkey tied there, with her coat by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey and on a coat, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the, on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed him shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? And the crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. And that is the word of the Lord. So before I go into this text and continue, let me pray for us all with a word. Father God, we are thankful for your given word. And it's a way for us to know you better. So I pray that you will help us now 
to open our eyes to see what you want us to see, open our ears to hear what you want us to hear, to open our minds that we would know what you want us to know. So we thank you, Lord, for your, your presence here, and may you transform our lives. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So how many of you have ever had an opportunity to run into a celebrity? Whether you've been at the airport, or you're at a restaurant, or maybe just walking the streets, and you come across a famous figure, whether it's a, 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 an actor, an actress, or a sports figure. I'm sure a lot of us have, right? Well, our culture seems to have this infatuation, or this almost adulation of these kinds of people. We love them because of their good looks, of their talents, maybe their fame and fortune. And a lot of times, especially now with, with modern technology, everybody has a phone, right? So we can always take these selfies of, of these people while we're in the public. And, and whenever we see these people, people almost bow down to, to almost worship them when they see them. And, and you know, during Academy Awards, right, one of the biggest features is the red carpet, when the actors and actresses, the directors, all the big weeks of Hollywood, they walk down that carpet, and people line up, I, I understand, very early in the day just get the best spots to see them. And when these famous people, celebrities, walk down that carpet, the flash bulbs are, are flashing to capture their images by the media, and I'm sure a lot of cell phones are also doing the same thing. And everybody is always waiting to see that moment when their favorite actor or actress comes across, like Brad Pitt. Angelina Jolie, right? Well, I, I have to fess up that I'm also guilty of sometimes doing that. And, and, and my favorites are often sports figures. And sports figures in our culture also get that kind of adulation. And just to prove that, 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 that I am guilty of that, I think I have a picture of myself with Mike Tyson. <laughs> yeah, there I am getting an autograph from the heavyweight champion of the world. And it's kind of impressive uh, to see him in person. I actually saw him at a dental convention. You know, some of the <laughs> vendors, they actually make you buy some products. And I was guilty of buying products so I could get an autograph from him. But when you go, the man is, is huge. I mean, I, I put my fist up next to his, and his fist is, is big. And, and so you can see he was perfectly made to be a boxer. But that, that's my experience, and I have to say I was guilty of doing that. And, and in the midst of our Christian church, a lot of times we do the same thing for some of our famous Christian um, preachers or pastors. I remember we had an eye screening, and Francis Chan was walking around, and people were just swarming to go see him. <laughs> and, and, and even if you've been in our church long enough, we've had famous people come through because they're friends of our church family, like it was Michael Chang, he was the tennis player. He used to come here because his brother Carl used to go to Cal Berkeley. And then I know if you were really perceptive, we've also had uh, Mariah Nagasu, who is friends of one of our families here, who's an Olympic skater, and she's been here a few times too. So even in the Christian world, sometimes as Christians, we have this kind of adulation for people. 
You know, God calls that idolatry. And it's sometimes those kinds of figures distract us from who Jesus is. And sometimes in many ways we compare Jesus to some of these celebrities. And we find sometimes, unfortunately, that Jesus may be lacking, wherein really he isn't lacking anything. Now, sometimes some of us feel that, that, that some of the, the people we, we meet in the world are more valuable than Jesus. But I'm going to make a statement here that Jesus is actually the most valuable player in your lives. Some of you in, our neighbor, in, in, in your neighborhoods, and I know some of you, your neighbor is Steph Curry, right? He lives in, in Arinda. I know some of you, your homes are very near him. And actually you bump into him on the street or at, at uh, Safeway at the store. And last year, Steph Curry, if you don't know, he's the point guard for the Warriors. And the Warriors had a great season last year. And he would, because of his, his performance, he was voted most valuable player. And even that, though, he was considered a very kind of controversial MVP. Because everybody had their opinion, and they felt that, that Steph Curry was too small, right? He didn't score enough. And, and some people thought he was too injury prone. And others would think that LeBron James, which is more of a massive player in the NBA, was a better MVP. And others had James Harden, right? The Houston Rockets is considered his MVP because he scores prolifically and even had a higher scoring average than Steph Curry. But for whatever reason, uh, Steph Curry was voted the most valuable player of the league. And it was still a controversy. Well, the passage I picked today was from Matthew. And this is where Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. He's making his grand entrance, just like he's coming on a red carpet. And as Jesus is coming, the crowd is showing their ad adulation of him. They are um, putting cloaks on the ground, and they're waving palm leaves. But some in the crowd felt that even Jesus was a controversial figure, that he wasn't the kind of king that they had in mind. Just like Steph Curry was not the kind of MVP that some people thought should be for the NBA. Jesus was thought of as being a controversial kind of king for the people of Israel. But I want to encourage you today that for those of you who are thinking that Jesus may not be the kind of king that you have in mind, if you truly choose him as your MVP, he will be able to transform your life so that you will make uh, a more fulfilling and more fruitful life for yourself. And if you remember anything from my message today, that is the point, that if you choose to make Jesus your most valuable player, and make him your king, that he will be able to transform your life so that you may be fruitful and fulfilled. It may not be the way that you had intended, but it's the way that God intended your life to be. So earlier in that passage from Matthew 21, I see three characteristics of Jesus that makes him the most valuable player for all of us. So the first thing, the first word in most valuable player is most. Right? Most means the best, to be a leader, to be the, usually on sports vernacular, to be the best player. 
And here in the passage, in verses 4 to 5, Jesus is described as coming, uh, riding through the streets on a donkey. Actually, he's riding on a coat of a donkey. And, and this is uh, very specific and very strategic of Jesus because Jesus is proclaiming to the crowd that he is the king. He is fulfilling a prophecy from the Old Testament, from Zechariah 9, verse 9. It says there that the king will come to Jerusalem on a donkey. So that's what Jesus is making a statement as he's making his triumphant entry. He's riding on a donkey, but actually not on a donkey, he's actually riding on a colt of a donkey. And, and for the people of Israel, which is a, a statement to see this, it's a reminder they actually recognize that prophecy, that Jesus is the king. But in their mind, they've been occupied by Roman troops, right? So it's been a while. Remember, there was 400 years of silence, and they hadn't heard anything from God. And here, God in person is coming and saying something by by riding on a donkey, that they have forgotten some of this. And in their mind, their worldview is, has changed by the culture around them that they're immersed in. They are now in Roman culture. And a Roman concept of a leader is different. It's not like a carpenter walking or riding on a donkey. It's a warrior king. It's a man on a white stallion. It's like Tommy Trojan. So I don't know if any of you are familiar with Tommy Trojan. There are some USC fans here. I'm looking at one right now. <laughs> Tommy Trojan is essentially the mascot of USC. And if you ever walk on a campus, there's a statue of Tommy Trojan. Tommy Trojan is a Roman uh, athlete, a soldier actually. And if you look at that statue, it's a prime specimen of what a male should look like. It's muscular, toned, and he's carrying a sword and a shield. And he's wearing a, a Trojan military outfit. That's Tommy Trojan. And if you've been to their football games, Tommy Trojan is riding on travel, right? It's a big white stallion of a horse. It's an impressive figure. That's the, the mascot of, of the Trojan, uh, USC. That's Tommy Trojan. And that's the image that the Jewish people had of a leader. That, that he would come riding on a white stallion with a, a sword and a shield. That is a symbol of a war horse, right? of death and destruction and power. But Jesus makes a different statement. He's a different kind of king. He comes riding on the back of a colt of a donkey. And that's okay in that time. Uh, nobility were known to ride on donkeys. But riding on a donkey, especially on a colt of a donkey, is a symbol of peace. It's a symbol of humility. And Jesus was proclaiming to the people of Israel that I am your king, but I am not a warrior king. I'm a king of peace and a king of humility. That was kind of shocking to the people of Israel, and they were not quite used to seeing that, and some of them were not uh, content to seeing their king coming that way. But that's what Jesus was doing, is establishing first that he is the 
the leader that he is most. The second word in most valuable player is valuable. Right? So what makes things valuable? It's something that's usually precious, something that's one of a kind. And in, in sports, to be valuable, it usually means you're irreplaceable. And I think this is probably the most important part of being a valuable player on any team that I play, is that someone who's considered MVP would be someone who makes you better. A player who can make other people better on their team is very valuable. And that's what Steph Curry could do on his team, his assist rate, his ability to change the game so that other players can shine. And that's what is most valuable. In the text that we see, how what makes Jesus valuable is that the crowd is calling out, in verse 9, they're yelling out, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And that's both, both a, a praise and it, it's a prayer request. Hosanna means save, save now. So the people are yelling to Jesus that they are recognizing that he is their savior. In that, and then you're also praying to him, will you save us? And that's what they're expecting uh, uh, the, the new king to do, is to save them. In their mind, though, they were thinking that it would be a warrior king, right, to overthrow the Roman regime. But Jesus had a different purpose. Jesus came to save, not by giving things to people. He came by giving up something. Jesus is a different kind of king. He came to sacrifice himself on the cross so that we could have eternal life. And that's what an MVP should do. Now, when we hear that, sometimes there's a disconnect. We don't appreciate what Jesus does and did. Our MVPs, for example, Seth Curry, right? Steph Curry is an MVP. And when you're an MVP in sports, you get literally hundreds of endorsements, right? They make a lot of money. I just read somewhere that James Harden, one of the candidates for, for uh, being an MVP, he just signed a contract for $200 million with Adidas for endorsements. And then um, a former MVP of the NBA, Michael Jordan, Last year, he made $100 million off the products he, he, he sells. And that, that total of $100 million is more than all the money he made as a player in his whole career, just in one year. And then Steph Curry, I'm sure, makes a lot of money from his endorsements. And, and a lot of times, we were suckers to buy his stuff, right? So I went to my, my source, and, and, and on, on has good stuff. <laughs> Okay, here's a, here's a Steph Curry backpack. Okay, so you, this is uh, his endorsed backpack, so if you want to be like Steph Curry, you can have the Steph Curry backpack. Then inside, this is the prize. I mean, this, this is amazing stuff. Okay, you can get Steph Curry socks. I guess uh, Steph Curry MVP T-shirt. But I think this this is the the most precious thing. 
And I understand these are really rare. Uh, this is a Steph Curry, I guess they're Curry ones, and, and these are his MVP model. Actually, these might be my size, so <laughs> <laughs> they, they disappear early on. But we buy these things, right? And, and because they're Steph Curry, Steph Curry is MVP, and we buy them because we think we can be just like them. But you think if I wore these shoes that I could shoot and play like him? No way. But that's that's the power of the celebrityism that we have in our in the people we we adore. But Jesus is different. Jesus doesn't have a million dollar or a hundred million dollar endorsements. He doesn't sell us anything. He actually gives away something free. And he gives us the gift of eternal life if we believe in him as being the true MVP of the world and for each one of us. That's the kind of king that Jesus is. And the final word, right? The final word in MVP is player. In the scripture text I read, there's this, the people were shouting, not only they were shouting Hosanna, they're shouting son of David. And that's really important because if you realize that this is the gospel of Matthew. There are four Gospels, each one of them have a particular purpose. They're targeting particular audiences. Matthew is targeting the Jewish people. Matthew himself is a Jew. He's actually a Jewish tax collector. He's writing to fellow Jews, telling them that all about Jesus. And that's actually the message of all the Gospels. They point to Jesus and pointing to the kingdom of God coming. That's the main point of all four Gospels. And here in Matthew, he's particularly writing to the Jewish people saying, Jesus is the king. He is the MVP of Israel. And so it's important for, for the people to recognize that and for the writer to establish that, Matthew, to the people. Because for the Jewish people, tradition and genealogy is very important. Matthew, the book of Matthew starts off with the genealogy. It goes through the connection from Adam all the way to Jesus. That's important to the heritage and to the Jewish people. So here, for the people to say, son of David, they're establishing that they recognize that Jesus is part of that lineage. But also doing so, he's saying that you are just like us. They're telling Jesus, you're a Jew, we're a Jew, we're a saint. For our context, it essentially means Jesus is fully man. That if he is a son of David, David being the most uh, celebrity-like king of the Jewish people, they're linking Jesus to King David. They are saying that Jesus is fully man, and that's the paradox. Jesus is fully man and fully God. When we look at the thing about being a player, it means that in the context of sports, you're not the coach. You're not a fan. You're actually a team member. You're actually in the game. You're actually playing. So essentially, Jesus is being recognized here that he lives life just like any of us. He's not a demagogue. He's not a figurehead. He's someone who's engaged in life. He's actually someone who rolls up his sleeves, goes into the trenches, and actually works, does ministry. He doesn't order people around. He doesn't lord over people. He's actually an active 
God and man. And we see that in the stories throughout the gospel. And Jesus himself says, I am, uh, I am your Lord, but I come not to be served, but to serve. He's a servant king. He's a different kind of king in the minds of people then, and even for some of us to realize for ourselves that he isn't an older God. He isn't a God who just orders people things, makes things happen. He actually invites us to be part of his team so that we can serve alongside him, to do exactly the things that he did. He even told his disciples, right, that they would do even greater things than himself. And that's, that's mind-boggling, that as followers of Jesus, that we could actually be doing things greater than Jesus himself. But that's the kind of king we serve, that we choose to make him the king of our life. That Jesus invites us to do his work for him. And that's a great privilege. It's a great honor. But we can only do that if we make him the king. If we make him our MVP. Because we can't do that on our own. It is through his ability to transform us so that we can do amazing things for the kingdom of God. And that's what it means to have Jesus as your as your Lord and Savior and as your MVP. And that's kind of a problem though. Because even in the text that I read, the people in the crowd didn't fully understand who Jesus was. The crowd, when it had the question, who is this? When they answered that question, a lot of the people in the crowd said, he's a prophet. He's a prophet from, from Nazareth. And there, just by that statement, they didn't say he was the son of God, that he was the Christ. Earlier, in a few chapters before this text, Jesus challenged his disciples to ask him the same question. Who do you think the people uh, think I am? And it was only Peter who answered the question. The apostle Peter answered the question correctly. He said, you are the Christ. And then at that moment, Jesus affirmed Peter and made him the rock of the church. But here, as Jesus is making his triumphant entry into, into Jerusalem, that same question came up. And a lot of the people in the crowd did not fully recognize Jesus. And so that's my question to all of us here today, too. Do you recognize Jesus for who he truly is? Do you really see him as the Christ? Or do you sometimes make him just like a, another lucky charm, like a rat's Or do you look at him just like a genie in a bottle? just to answer your questions. And you know some of us, and I've been there, where we get angry at God and wish that Jesus was a different kind of king, that we would think that he would listen to all of our requests, or when someone hurts us, we ask God, we ask Jesus to hurt them back for us. But Jesus is not that kind of king. It's not that kind of a king. And for us to have that perception of who Jesus is, if it's incorrect, if it's distorted, if it's biased in any way, 
it could mean serious consequences, even death. And I want to kind of illustrate that point, where if our perception of reality is off, it could cause us to have a death. So I have a video to, to show, and we can play that right now to illustrate that point. Southern California, 
had opportunity to, to visit a sister in Christ who was dying of terminal cancer. And many of you know her as, as Karen Magami. And just last week she had uh, her memorial, or actually yesterday she had a memorial service. But I had a chance to be able to see her, visit her before she passed. And, and, and I have to fess up. You know, when I'm on vacation, I'm usually have the clock off. I, I, I usually just spend my time off, but uh, I had to uh, kind of admit that I wasn't thinking about going to visit Karen when I was down in San Chaco. Because as I said, usually my clock's off. But it's happened to me in the past. I remember being in Hawaii, I get a phone call from one of our staff members to visit somebody in Hawaii to do a hospital visitation while I was on vacation. So it's not usually on my radar to do that. But when I was in Southern California, uh, I was fishing with uh, Warren Caruso, and, and bless his heart, he, he's more compassionate and in tune than I am, especially on that trip. He said, why don't we, we go visit Karen? So it wasn't my initial thought to do that, but it was an urging of someone else, another fellow Christian brother who said, let's go visit her. And I was totally blessed by my time in doing that. And I was able to see someone who has blessed many others, who has been an MVP in many of our lives. And Karen was one of those, she was on staff here for many years. She was a worship leader. She was someone who truly had the Spirit of God in her. And even when she was dying of cancer, a few months ago, I think the picture that you're seeing is she's playing a violin. She came and visited some of us, and, and, and we knew she wasn't 100%. But she wanted to share her gift of music, and it was a blessing from God that she played Amazing Grace for us on violin. And that was amazing. That was so touching. And then when we saw her in, I think it was February, she was still alert, but when I saw her a few weeks ago, she was just a shadow of a person. But even when I looked into her eyes, she had the peace of God with her. She had this tranquil, peaceful look. She had a smile. And as I was praying for her and telling her how much she meant to me, and how much she encouraged me when times were tough here, she would always encourage me. And she was a person that I know was important in other people's lives. It was the gift that, that, that Karen had, just like any MVP, remember I said it was valuable, it was a, a valuable MVP is someone who makes your life better. Karen was that kind of person. She can make you do anything, especially if it was something out of your comfort zone, but she was the kind of person that could get the best out of you, that she could make you a better person. She made me go on stage and be an actor in some of our silly skits <laughs> during Christmas. She encouraged me to be a staff member and now a pastor. And she encouraged me to be just a better friend and a person to others. And that's the kind of person that Karen is. Because Karen modeled what it means to choose Jesus as an MVP. And because of that, when we make that choice, then Jesus will help us to transform us into his likeness so that we can be MVPs for other people. And that's all we want to do with them. We truly look at our lives. Isn't that what we want to do? 
be fruitful, be fulfilled by God. And that's what Jesus can do. And we choose to make him our most valuable player. Tim Keller, I love this quote from Tim Keller. He says, you have been saved through a dying sacrifice. So you are free to be a living one. That's the kind of king that we serve. Jesus did that for us. He sacrificed himself on a cross. He died on the cross, which was unheard of in biblical times. People at that time could not believe that a hero would kill himself to save others. That's not the kind of, of logic that makes sense. But that's the kind of king we serve, a different kind of king. Jesus went to the cross, sacrificed himself, so that we, in turn, can now be living sacrifices. Jesus did that. Karen lived that out, and I'm challenging all of us to do likewise, to make that choice. And I guarantee you, your life will be more fulfilled and fruitful. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for our time. And just a reminder of who Jesus is, that he is truly 